At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. It's time to debunk the myths about statins. Dr. Jonathan Fialco welcomes clinical lipid specialist Lisa Davis to clear up the confusion with a healthy dose of facts in this edition of Baptist Health Talk. Hello again, folks. This is Dr. Jonathan Fialco, and welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast. I'm a practicing preventive cardiologist and lipidologist at the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute in Baptist Health, South Florida, as well as the Chief Population Health Officer for Baptist Health, South Florida. As a practicing physician for almost 30 years, I often see people who are confused about things they're told or things they hear that uh, can be related to their health. Um, Sometimes um, this is not just patients. It could be family members. It could be other people in our community. Um, What we're told is good for us one week, be bad for us the next week. What we're told to eat might be totally fine. We're then told to be fearful of its effects. And the opposite can be true as well. What we're told is bad can actually be good. We can receive almost magical benefits from a food or a supplement or some activity. And our goal with this podcast is to speak with experts and review the kinds of questions that I and others have um, and hear and hope to provide some sense of clarity for our listeners. If you have any thoughts about this podcast, hopefully positive, please feel free to leave a message at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. Any requests for future topics will be uh, appreciated as well. And now on to today's podcast. Uh, According to the Center for uh, Disease Control and confirmed with an article in the Journal of the American Medical Association published in August, heart disease deaths in the U.S. have declined over the past decades, but they plateaued in around 2011. And despite all our lifestyle changes and recommendations and medications and all these complex procedures that we do, once again, heart disease death rates are on the incline. There may be many reasons for this, and these might be topics we'll discuss in future podcasts, but for today's show, we'll be discussing the mainstay of the heart disease prevention for the past 30 years, and that is statins, and the questions folks have about statins. Will they make my muscles hurt? Will I forget things, or will it cause dementia? And the old standard, of course, will it hurt my liver? We will also be uh, making folks aware of a unique program that was developed by Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute for those patients who may need a bit of help in getting treated with statins or may have problems tolerating statins, as well as those who may have higher levels uh, of of cardiac risk and need evaluation of treatments uh, by experts in lipid management and prevention. Lipids, by the way, do include cholesterol and triglycerides, and we'll talk about them soon enough. But for now, let me introduce an incredibly accomplished woman who's been instrumental in developing and managing the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute Lipid Program. Welcome to Baptist Health Podcast, my colleague and good friend, Lisa Davis, uh, certified PA and clinical lipid specialist at Miami Cardiac and Vascular uh, Institute, Baptist Health, South Florida. Thanks for joining us, Lisa. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. That's a pleasure. So I think before we get into the meat of the, the conversation, I think it's good to explain what is a certified lipid specialist? What kind of training and experiences and, um, um, and certifications led to that uh, designation? So before you can become a certified uh, clinical lipid specialist, you have to have documented so many hours of treating patients with uh, various lipid disorders. Um, you have to have so many hours of continuing uh, medical education, specifically in the management of, of these patients. Um, there's several courses that I attended as well, um, involved in so many clinical trials. And then once uh, you've accomplished that, then you're eligible to sit for a board type of examination. And then once you pass your board exam, then you can have the designation as a 
clinical lipid specialist. And, and quite frankly, having worked with Lisa for, I guess, well over a decade, um, um, her passion and her commitment towards understanding these metabolic disorders, lipids, and prevention for our patients is really um, extraordinary in Bardenon, and she is uh, and remains a, an incredible resource for us and for our patients. Um, statins, um, you know, we talk about them. They've been around for 25, 30 years. Uh, again, my plumber has an opinion on statins, which may not be exactly accurate. Um, what are statins? And, and you know, as, as, as in-depth as you want to explain. So stands in a nutshell, there are a class of medications that uh, block an enzyme uh, that the liver uses to make cholesterol. Um, I think it's important to note that the statins have been on the market for greater than 30 years. And um, I'd like to say that when, when you take patients that uh, have been found to have increased risk of cardiovascular disease or patients who have known cardiovascular disease, and you put these patients on a statin, every trial has shown a significant reduction in events. And so that's why they're such an important uh, I think that's a, an incredibly important point, which, is, which, which should be um, restated. There's never been a negative statin trial. There's never been a trial with a group of patients on a placebo and a group of patients on statins where the people on statins didn't do better in some way with cardiac events. Correct. So we do it's know they, we do know they work. Yes. And we could argue that's why so many people are on it. But, you know, one of the things we deal with in, 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 in cardiology and in medicine is the concept of prevention. Prevention is taking someone who generally feels well and you're telling them you may have something and let's do something to prevent that. So they're resistant. Why do I have to take this pill? Why do I have to give this food up? I feel good. So, so how would you um, think the reason, what would you consider the reasons most people in particular with statins might say, you know, I don't really want to take them or, or, uh, you know, what is, what is the reason that I have to take this medication? I want to stop it or I I don't agree. Yeah, I I think that really is a great point. And, uh, you know, patients coming in having back pain, you tell them to take a medication, the pain's going to go away. You don't necessarily get much, much pushback, but people don't feel high cholesterol. And I, I think a, a lot of reason why patients are reluctant to take these medications, truthfully, is what we hear every day. Their uncle, their aunt, their friend took these medications, and they've been told by these people that they're going to end up in liver failure, and they're right. not going to be able to get out of bed in the morning because they're so sore. So a, a lot of what, um, what we do every day is really trying to sort of debunk these myths um, and a lot of just misinformation that's out there and, you know, give them the real data regarding their safety and efficacy. Well, that's great. There there are many uh, kinds of patients you see in the lipid management program, which we affectionately call our lipid clinic. Um, But when we're talking about the statin intolerant or the patient who may need a statin or would benefit from a statin and and has a pushback, that is one category of, of people that we see. So you did mention the muscle aches, which is, I think, what's the most prominent concern. How if you're a doctor or you're a patient who should be on a statin, but you say, I ache, how would you address it in the lipid management program? Those patients who, again, identified would benefit from a statin, but say it's causing this to hurt or this to hurt to this to hurt. Is it, is it real? Is it imagined? And how do we, how do we address that? Yeah, I, I think the first step really is taking the time to sit down and talk to the patient. And a lot of what we do is just getting a really good history. I think it's important to note that approximately 95% of the patients that are prescribed statins take them without any muscle symptoms. So I stress that the majority of the patients tolerate them fine. But you might be fearful of something that probably won't happen. Correct. Um, For that 5%, um, it's, it's important there are certain signs and symptoms that we look for that when they're having those complaints, Um, we're able to identify that it's more likely to be what we call a statin-associated muscle symptoms. 
um, starting patient that's been on a statin for three years, um, works as a mechanic, and after three years says their right wrist hurts, and so it must be the statin, we're able to educate them that that's probably not the case. So there's there's specific tools that we can use to determine. So if it it's is the history, like you said, did the pain start temporarily related to the statin? Usually, again, the symptoms are on both sides of the body, large Correct. muscles. Correct. The large muscle groups, both sides of the body started within a certain amount of time. And then after you stop the statin, it, it generally resolves after a certain amount of time as well. Um, I could speak to experience, and Lisa, you've heard this story a couple <laughs> thousand times, but I've been on a statin for many years for prevention, and uh, my, my hamstrings would hurt. The back of my legs would just ache, and you know, I'd just touch them, they'd be sore, but not bad enough to stop the medication. And a few years ago, and I would tell even patients, hey, don't worry about it. It really isn't that bad. And we went on a vacation. I left the statin home. And a few days into the vacation, my legs weren't hurting. And I was, I was in the middle of a beautiful boulevard in Berlin doing squats. And my family's looking at me like, what are right. you doing? It's like, I, I can't bring out any pain. Finished the vacation, came back and said, I'm going to stay off the statin for another week or two for absolutely no reason. And my leg pain came back. And of course, I exercise in my house and I have a gym and I do leg squats and stuff. So the, 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 the symptoms were always actually from muscle workout not from the stat. Correct. Right? So I think and this is coming from a lipidologist. So <laughs> exactly. if we're able to forget that sometimes, do, it shows do, you that. Do what I say, not what exactly. I do. Exactly. Okay. So having said that, the muscle aches are real. Uh, and then some people some people really do have muscle aches. Some they people do. really do have these myalgias. How do we deal with those patients if we still want to try a statin? Or what do we do when we, they just Correct. can't tolerate, but we feel they should be on them? So first, there's, there's a couple of actual blood tests that we should do to look for secondary causes. For example, um, there have been reports that if a patient has a low vitamin D level, that they're more prone to experiencing these muscle aches with statins. So um, sometimes just replacing vitamin D, for example, they might be able to tolerate it okay, um, making sure that their thyroid function looks okay. Um, and um, Thyroid, I think, is something that sometimes gets lost because it is pretty pretty ubiquitous. So I think that's, that's well stated as well. Correct. And, and then, it's important to know that all statins are not the same. And so just because somebody you know, comes in saying that they felt terrible, bad muscle aches on one statin, that doesn't mean that they are deemed what we call statin intolerant. Now, statins are metabolized differently. We're oftentimes able to pick a statin that they um, is metabolized differently, that they're less likely to have the muscle aches and pains. And um, it's also important to know that all patients don't metabolize drugs the right. same. So somebody who may need a high-dose statin to really get them at goal Somebody else who has a slower metabolism, they, they might feel bad when they take that dose. So we're able to adjust the dose, put them on a low dose. We'll even do what we call pulse dosing. We'll do uh, medications two, three days a week, slowly titrate them up. And oftentimes we're able to what we call desensitize these patients and, and really get them on the medication that we know is, is the right medication for them to lower their risk. So the, the point I would, I would emphasize what you just said, it's an individualized approach. Correct. Not everyone gets thrown on the same dose and has the same response. It's, we want to make sure that that individual should get the benefits of the protection of the statin, but at the dosing that they tolerate that works for them. And I think that's the art of, of, of what we do. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about some other pushback. Um, people are afraid. They talk about um, forgetfulness or dementia and stuff. What is, what is, what is the evidence supporting statins on either um, um, causing or, or maybe even preventing, you know, cognitive defects? Right. Well, you know, when, when we really look at the clinical trials in, in turn of cognitive uh, dysfunction or what we call neurocognitive dysfunction, when memory loss, let's just say, when we look at patients on placebo versus the patients on statin, it was pretty equivocal. Um, so really where this data comes from of this concern for possi 
people, what we call short-term memory loss, is really based on individual reports and not necessarily seen in clinical trials. With that said, um, we take the time to listen to every patient. And some patients, you know, truly feel as though after they've taken certain statins, they have problem with sort of short-term recollection. And in that case, again, we can choose a statin, not to get too physiological, but we can choose a statin that maybe doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier the same and less likely to cause that. Um, Again, statins have been shown to actually reduce the incidence of dementia later on. And that's a really important point that uh, I try to I think it's important, especially that vascular dementia where statins Absolutely. might be long-term beneficial. And, and again, it's interesting. The clinical trials will say people can't take statins and they get put in a clinical trial where they may be taking a statin and they don't know it and they don't necessarily complain that the statin's causing problems. But right. there are people we recognize who can't Right, and, and again, that goes back to treating the individual. Not everybody fits into the same right. the same box. And then the last one, El Igado in Miami, <laughs> the, the liver. <laughs> see. <laughs> right. um, it's actually, I think it's a little generational. We do see some of the younger people that we now see that we've got to put in statins. It's not as big a concern. An older generation, I think it came from the early history of statin of looking for liver problems. What 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 are the issues you would you would consider for a liver issues? I will tell you that, that uh, you, for a lot of patients, you just mentioned statin and they have horror on their face and their responses. I, I don't want to take anything that's going to kill my liver. And so the, the real data regarding uh, the liver concerns are that, again, over 30 years of data, when we look at the general population who have real severe significant liver disease and the population on statins, it's minimal, it's less than 0.5% and it's equivocal. So uh, initially when these drugs were put on the market, they recommended routine monitoring of liver enzymes. And just to sort of um, stress how, uh, how much we, we've de-escalated this and we don't have concerns, the, the recommendations now are that you get baseline uh, liver tests, which is just a blood test. After starting the statin, you repeat the blood work in three months. And if everything is uh, okay, there's really no recommendation that we need to continue monitoring liver enzymes. Right. Um, and so unless there's really evidence of a liver issue, which the truth is, is that oftentimes there could be some other secondary cause that needs to be looked at. Right. If the liver enzymes are up, are up at some point in the future, it's generally not statin related. Right. It's from something and, else. And even when you look at the guidelines, this is stressed by the fact that the, the recommendations are that if they do go up significantly, you hold the statin temporarily. And when the liver enzymes, the recommendations are, you put them back on the statin. Right. So. Right. Shows how safe of, it is. And that's not really a, an issue. Right. A um, couple of final points. Let's talk a little bit now about the MCBI uh, lipid management program that um, you're an essential part of. Again, high-risk patients, patients who can't tolerate statins. What are some of the other patients that, that you're seeing in there for uh, for the community benefit? Um, I, I, a, uh, several of the patients that we see are, we'll see these young patients who have already had uh, cardiovascular events. Um, who go on to have recurrent events, who seem to have been optimized on all the right medications and continue to have, unfortunately, you know, recurrent heart attacks or need for repeat procedures. So um, in these patients, there's some residual risk, so to speak, on the table um, that we're not addressing. And so we can do some more advanced uh, testing on these patients and, again, really try to individualize and, and make sure that we're treating the risk factors aggressively. Um, something that's sort of been a passion of mine uh, is this patient population, patients with something called familial hypercholesterolemia, which is a genetic inherited cholesterol disorder. 
that's a lot more common than what people recognize. Yeah, under-recognized, right? Yeah. Um, it's estimated one in 250 people have this and 90% aren't diagnosed. And the reason why it's it's so significant is when we look at lifetime risk, the risk can be 20-fold increase of having cardiac events. Um, but if we start treating them young, their risk is pretty much that as someone who doesn't have the disease. So, and, and specifically towards that population, which maybe we'll bring you back and do another show on, because I find it fascinating. Um, but what about the cascade screening? Why is it important for us to recognize these people with this true genetic abnormality, uh, right. familial hypercholesterolemia? Yeah, we're really stressing the importance of cascade screening because... Uh, Explain what that is. Yeah, so cascade screening is you identify someone who has, we'll just say FH because familial hypercholesterolemia is a mouthful, but <laughs> so we'll say you identify the patient that has FH, you stress the importance of them having their children screened. If one parent has it, there's a 50% chance that their child will have it. And uh, a recent study actually that was just published, a 20-year study looking at patients with FH, they recognize that uh, the recommendation is now to start treating these children as young as 8 to 10 years old. Um, sounds with crazy, stat- but that it is sounds the crazy, but they get premature disease. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, a, a male with FH by the age of fifty, not treated, has a fifty percent chance of having a heart attack. Cardiovascular disease, our passion. We know oftentimes it's a preventable disease. So, if we can identify these patients early on, we can prevent this from right. happening later. Great info. So, now for the science portion of our program, lipids. Briefly before we end. What is cholesterol? What is triglycerides for the average person to know? So basically, uh, uh, cholesterol, lipids, fatty substances that are produced in the liver, they're not soluble in water. Cholesterol does have many benefits to our body. Um, It's important for the production of hormones, cell membranes. Um, Triglycerides, sort of like the fats in our body, are really important for energy uh, storage and use. Um, So... They're important. They are we important. <laughs> we need them, correct. Important to know that our body makes all the cholesterol that it needs. So we're not going to lower cholesterol too much by putting you on these medications. Right, right. Your body is going to make all the cholesterol it needs for all of these functions. Right. That's a good That's a good uh, final point, which is the fear of being on medications. I won't have enough cholesterol, but no, the body manufactures what it needs and it's not a problem. Well, this is great information, Lisa. It's uh, great to see you again since we worked together this morning. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, hopefully this, you've, you've, you guys found this helpful. Um, for more information regarding the Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute Lipid Management Program, please look at the program notes. And again, uh, any comments or any thoughts uh, Baptist uh, Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net uh, email and again it's a pleasure um, having you uh, listen to our podcast and we hope to uh, speak to you all soon thank you find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at BaptistHealth.net slash news and be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events this podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida healthcare that cares <laughs>